You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Welcome to another bonus episode of the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. I'm Gus Edwards, and on today's episode, we're going to be reviewing SummerSlam 1991. This was originally the plan for last week, but it was postponed as I wanted to do a tribute episode for Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who sadly passed away, and we reviewed the big event from 1986. If you missed that episode, it's up in the archives. Don't forget too that their weekly shows reviewed Mid-Atlantic Wrestling in the archives and new episodes are up every Sunday. We're getting close to having Mid-South joining the shows too. I believe now that Mid-South Wrestling is on Peacock along with Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, so hopefully now you could all follow along. If you enjoy the show today, then please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and tell a friend. Let's get on with the show. So this is SummerSlam 1991 from Madison Square Garden on the 26th of August 1991. I wanted to review this show as this was the first big show I ever saw and it helped make me a fan for life. When the WWE Network launched back in 2014, this was the first show I went and watched. I have fond memories of the show and hopefully it holds up in this review. The commentators for tonight are Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Before we go any further with the review, I should point out I'm not actually going to be reviewing the wedding part of the show. The wedding between uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. I think nobody really wants to hear a review of a wedding. So the show starts out with a six-man tag match. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Texas Tornado, the British Bulldog... Versus the Warlord and Power and Glory, who are Hercules and Paul Roma. The crowd's really hot for the start of the show. I love six-man tag matches. It's just tough to have a bad one. You could just keep the pace going really fast, and this one's no exception. There's a lot of titles on the Babyface team. Both Steamboat and Tornado are former NWA World Champions and Intercontinental Champions. While Bulldog is a former tag team champion and a future Intercontinental Champion. Steamboat starts off with Roma. Roma's athleticism is really underrated. He hits an incredible dropkick early on. Uh, basically jumps so high that it's actually his bottom foot that hits uh, Steamboat. Could probably watch a singles match with Roma and Steamboat. They seem to click really well. Hercules and Tornado both tag in and Von Erich gets a bit of a shine before the Warlord and the Bulldog get tagged in. The crowd actually pops big for this confrontation. Bulldog knocks down Warlord with a shoulder block and two clotheslines and then follows up with his signature big suplex. Steamboat tags back in, he misses a monkey flip in the corner and the heat segment begins. Steamboat's perfect for this role. He sells perfectly, but he also makes these little comebacks that keep the crowd in it. It's just great simple wrestling here. It's a cut the ring in half and the work over the dragon. Warlord goes up to the second rope for one of those 80s, early 90s spots where you jump off into somebody's boot but doesn't really know what you would be going for. Uh, Tornado gets a hot tag and cleans house. And the Warlord goes for a sunset flip while the Bulldog gets a blind tag. 
There's a great false finish here as the Warlord catches the Bulldog coming off the ropes and then the Tornado hits up with his discus punch. There's a bit of miscommunication towards the finish and that means that Roma's got to kick out of the uh, Davies running power slam. But then Steamboat gets a win with a perfect crossbody block off the top rope. Big giant pop for that. This was an excellent opening match. Just what you need on a big show gets the crowd really going. The next match is Bret the Hitman Hart and Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. This is a match that made me a fan as a kid. I've said previously that I'm more into characters and promos than matches, and while that's true, I still love great wrestling. I remember when I first saw this, I was 11 or 12 year olds, and I would watch the tape of it over and over again, and I just kept thinking to myself, this match is great, I just... I didn't know why, I didn't know at that point what made a good match, but I just knew that this match was great. Perfect's great in this match, as it's his last match for well over a year due to his back injury, and he just puts heart over like a million bucks. The crowd do their part in this match, and so do the commentators, it's just all around great. They start off the match by working a headlock while mixing in some high spots and near falls. The storytelling is great here as Brett constantly outquicks and out-wrestles Perfect. Perfect gets the heat by slowing down the pace and keeping Brett on the outside. Brett's selling is similar to Steamboat, he just likes to have the little comebacks and hope spots, and it keeps the crowd in that. Brett also takes corner bumps like nobody else, he just runs full force into them. Yeah, Perfect hits his rolling neck snap, I've always loved that move. Uh, Perfect starts showing frustration not being able to finish off Brett as well and that adds to the match. There's a bit more great storytelling during the match as Brett Hart early on hits a crucifix but then later on in the match he goes for it again but Perfect counters it. Mr Perfect goes for his Perfect Plex but then Brett kicks out. That starts Brett's comeback. He hits an excellent suplex for a two count followed by a small package and a Russian leg sweep. He keeps going for pins too after the move because he wants to win. So there's that bit of storytelling. You don't always get that. You know, it's just a case of hitting moves, hitting moves, hitting moves. But, you know, Brett's always been a, a realistic wrestler. And, you know, it's like he he's trying to win. And I think that makes him stand out. Hart starts working on the leg, setting up for the sharpshooter. He goes to apply it, but Coach gets up on the apron and Brett nails him. And that allows Perfect to hit a low blow. Coach, obviously, who's with um, Perfect, is not Jonathan Coachman. It's actually um, John Tollis, who was a big star in the um, California area back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Perfect starts dropping legs on Brett, and then Brett counters that, and he puts him in the sharpshooter for the submission win. This match still holds up after 30 years. It's just absolutely incredible. I could I could just keep watching this over and over again. The best part of the show is next, though, is um, they've got Lord Alfred Hayes in the crowd, and he's trying to interview Stu Hart, and he asks Stu how he feels, and then Stu goes to reply, and Hayes just pulls the mic away from him and says he's speechless. I'll never stop laughing at that. Just brilliant. Backstage, we've got Mean Gene interviewing the Bushwhackers and Andre the Giant. Andre's going to be in the corner of the Bushwhackers. Uh, they show a clip of Earthquake injuring the leg of Andre. This was a, 
a couple of months ago, I think Andre had been doing a, a storyline where he was looking for a new manager and you had um, Sensational Sherry, I think Brother Love, Mr Fuji were all trying to be his manager and Jimmy Hart thought he'd got Andre as his manager and Andre said no and then Earthquake jumped off from behind. I think he attacked the leg with the um, megaphone, which is obviously a cover for Andre getting some surgery. So we're back to the ring and it's the Bushwhackers versus the Natural Disasters. This match is set up when um, Tugboat turned heel on the Bushwhackers in a six-man tag against Earthquake and the Nasty Boys a few weeks beforehand. Tugboat then became Typhoon. The Disasters are one of my favourite tag teams of all time. I know a lot of people aren't fans, but um, yeah, I just them and the Steiner Brothers are my two favourite tag teams. When the WWE Network first started in 2014, and they claimed that they were going to have every match up, all I wanted to do was just to get a big playlist and just watch squash matches from the Steiner Brothers and the Natural Disasters. But of course, the network never turned out to be like that. But yeah, I just love fat guy wrestlers, especially in squash matches. I think it's something wrestling really missing big fat guys these days. This is a typical big man, little man match. Butch uses his quickness to get away from Typhoon and then just bites him on the arse. Uh, the Bushwhackers then use Earthquake as a baton ram to take out Typhoon and they hit a double clothesline on Earthquake and they bail out the ring. Disasters get the heat on Butch. Uh, again, the psychology is on point as the Disasters use their size and strength to dominate. During the match, Bobby Heenan leaves the commentary desk to go backstage to challenge Hulk Hogan on Ric Flair's behalf. We'll talk about about that in a moment. Luke gets a hot tag. The Bushwhackers use a baton ram on both disasters, but they, they don't go down. Earthquake then squashes um, Luke up against Typhoon, and he hits the Earthquake splash for the win. It was fine for what it was. After the match, the disasters go, go outside and try to take out Andre, but the Legion of Doom come out for a save, and that sets up their feud for the future. So they go backstage and Bobby Heenan's at Hogan's dressing room door. He's got the NWA title with him and he challenges Hogan to face Ric Flair. Hogan slams the door in Heenan's face. At this point, this was just about a month or so after Ric Flair got fired by WCW for not signing a new contract and he left as WCW champion. Um, But what happened is he stripped him of the title, but when you bec- he had he owned the NWA title. When you became champion, you had to give up. A, I think it was a twenty-five thousand dollar sort of deposit for the belt, and he never had the money back. So the title belonged to him. So when he was fired and decided to go to the WWE, he um, mailed the title to Vince, and Vince used it in this angle here, building up uh, Flair's debut. Next match is Ted DiBiase and Virgil for the million dollar belt. Sherry's looking really hot tonight. I had a massive crush on her. Virgil's over back and he starts off quick against DiBiase. This is the peak of Virgil's career. Once this feud with DiBiase was over, there wasn't really that much you could do with him. Then he starts wearing the long tights with the red and white stripes that look like pyjamas and that just that killed him. 
DiBiase works over Virgil, but then Virgil gets a million dollar dream on DiBiase, which causes Sherry to come in and hit Virgil for the purse for the DQ. That causes the crowd to die. Finkel makes an announcement though, that the ref said he isn't going to call for a DQ. Instead he wants Sherry to be banned from ringside and the match must continue. This brings the crowd back to life. Both guys are back up and Virgil takes advantage. The referee ends up getting bumped in the corner and DiBiase gets the heat, starts working over uh, Virgil. He's drawn with Piper while working over Virgil with superplexes. Sorry, suplexes and a pile driver. Piper is perfect on commentary here. DiBiase gets a visual pin but there's no referee. DiBiase then takes off the turnbuckle pad and he's going to ram Virgil's head in that. But Virgil reverses and it's DiBiase that goes into the steel. Both guys are down and the ref starts a very slow 10 count. But Virgil manages to crawl across to cover DiBiase for the pin and a giant pop. It's amazing that fans like to see the babyfaces prevail. Big Boss Man and the Bounty are next in a jailhouse match. The loser of this match is suspended out in jail. I love the Bounty character. He's one of my favourites all time. He's just so over the top. Jacques Rougeau deserves a ton of credit as he went full on with his character. It's also the perfect story between these gimmicks too. A good cop versus bad cop. Some things just need to be kept simple. Bossman starts the match off with a perfect right hand. Bossman looks so much smaller than he did when he debuted in 1988. Looks like he's dropped at least £150. The crowd are quite quiet here, but they've expended a lot of energy tonight, you know, with Bret Hart and Virgil's title wins already. Bunky hits a great flying elbow. It's probably his best looking move that he's got. Jimmy Hart distracts the referee so he could use the cattle prod, but Bossman moves and then begins his comeback. He hits his boss man slam but only gets a two count. Monkey goes for a pile driver but boss man counters with a big powerbomb spinebuster sort of move for the win. After the match the New York police run down to the ring and handcuff the monkey and drag him backstage to the police van. Monkey's just perfect in this role, just screaming and off he goes to jail. It's intermission time in the building, so it's time for a ton of interviews backstage with Mean Jean and Sean Mooney. We hear from Ted DiBiase, Bret Hart, Natural Disasters, Big Boss Man and Randy Savage. We then got a clip of the monkey arriving at the police station. He's still screaming his head off. Then it's back for an interview with Jimmy Hart and the Nasty Boys. Before then we go back to the monkey in jail. He's getting ready to have his mugshot taken. He refuses to lift his head up until the police women shouts, I guess the boss man beat your butt then. That makes the monkey look up and shout, what? Just in time for his picture to be taken. An interview with Legion of Doom is followed by another trip to the jail to see the monkey being fingerprinted. Policeman asks monkey to give him the finger, to which the monkey replies, you want the finger? There's the finger. And flips on the bird. I assume this is the first time it happened on WWF TV. More interviews, and it's Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa and General Adnan. And Slaughter hints at a surprise feature in Sid Justice later tonight. Sid Justice is the special referee for the, the main event. Justice is then interviewed by Mean Jean and they show a clip of Slaughter's group trying to 
recruit justice and Sid just says it's completely innocent. Back to the ring and it's Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal versus the Nasty Boys, Snobs and Sags for the tag team titles. No count out, no DQ in this match. Piper refers to Nobs as Big Bird. That made me laugh, to be honest. He does actually really look like Big Bird. Giant Pop as usual for the LOD. LOD attack before the bell and take out both nasties. Anil nearly ends it early with a big power bomb, but Sags makes a save. Nasties get the advantage by spraying something into the eyes of Hawk. This sort of match suits both teams. Nasties are sloppy as hell, but they're really great brawlers. They cut off Hawk, but despite it being a no DQ step, Animal's just standing on the outside waiting for a tag. Kind of makes the whole step a bit pointless. Nasties hit their big splash in the corner, followed by the elbow off the top by uh, Sags. But then Animal makes a save. Hawk catches Knobs coming off the rope with a boot to the face. Kind of similar to the opening six-man tag, what Knobs was doing, nobody will ever know. And he gets a hot tag to Animal. Animal runs wild for a bit and then it turns into the usual four-way. Nasties take out Animal with the crash helmet, but ends up outside with Jimmy Hart. Hawk runs around the ring, gives uh, Jimmy Hart a boot to the gut. That takes out Jimmy and then Nobs gets hits with the helmet. And then ELOD hit the Doomsday device on Sags and we've got new tag team champions. Another gigantic pop for the victory. This crowd has been incredible all night long. LOD become the first team to win the WWF, NWA and AWA tag team champions. They might still be the only ones that have won all three. Back to the jail and the monkey tries to escape but doesn't get too far and he's put in his cell. Monkey's been excellent in these skits. Back to the arena and it's IRS Irwin R. Scheister versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. This isn't much of a match, but it's actually perfect for this card. The crowd's been up for everything on the show. There's been a ton of babyface wins, three title changes. I think the disasters are the only heels that have gone over tonight, so the crowd need to be brought down a bit and have a breather before the main event. And to their credit, these guys do an amazing job of bringing the crowd down. IRS wins by counting their figure four in a small package. That's basically all you could say about this match. We go backstage to Mean Gene and he's with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. There's no way you could describe an interview with these two. What I'll do instead is I'll go over the background that you probably already know why this is Warrior's final appearance in the WWF for six months or so. Partly the story goes that Warrior had signed a new contract, I think must have been early in 1991, maybe late 1990, and he thought he was going to be getting paid the same as Hogan, but um, he found out a few months later that he wasn't getting paid the same as Hogan. Uh, so he basically, once this match had been announced and the advertising was out, he held up Vince McMahon and basically wanted that the difference in the money and Vince gave him the money and then after this match he fired the warrior but again being fired by Vince McMahon when you could draw money when you're a big star 
yeah, you always come back, and he was back by by WrestleMania eight. So on to the main event of the show, and it's Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, who's the Iron Sheik, and General Adnan, versus Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, with Sid Justice as a special guest referee. Justice comes out first. The story here is, will he be a babyface or a heel? Sid's one of these guys that just look like a star. Sid's a guy who would be a perfect opponent for Brock Lesnar if this was 15 years later. The Triangle of Terror come up next, and Sarge and Justice go face to face. The Warrior comes up next to a decent pop, definitely not his biggest. Hogan comes out and gets a much bigger pop. Hogan's star power is something you can't really compare to anyone else at this time. He was just perfect for this time period. He was a real-life superhero, and I think that's why he was so big, sort of in the 80s. Hogan and Slaughter start out. Slaughter tries to use a belt, but Justice stops him. Sarge takes a face-first corner bump better than anyone. He's halfway over the the turnbuckles, nearly hitting his head on the, the steel support. Slaughter's bumping all over the place for Warrior and Hogan earlier on. Just taking a hell of a beating. There's tension between Hogan and Justice as Sid breaks up Hogan choking in the corner. And that allows Sarge to poke Hogan in the eye and make the tag. Adnan is in with some back breaks and stomps. And then he tags out to Mustafa who puts Hogan in the camel clutch. Warrior just walks in, kicks him in the back and breaks it up. Slaughter whips Hogan into Sid who doesn't budge. And they'll look eye-eye just to keep the tension going. Slaughter goes up top to drop a knee on Hogan's back, but Warrior just pushes him off. Hogan makes a hot tag to Warrior, who cleans house on Slaughter with shoulder blocks and clotheslines until he runs into Justice. Again, Justice doesn't budge. This allows Slaughter to cut off the Warrior for another heat segment. Slaughter's having to carry the load for his team as Mustafa and especially Adnan at, the, are, at this point are useless. A flying clothesline by Warrior lets Hogan get the hot tag and he cleans house. Warrior chases Adnan and Mustafa to the back with a chair and that's the last we see of him until WrestleMania 8. Hogan hits Slaughter with a face full of powder and a leg drop for the win. Hogan celebrating and posing in the ring after the match. Then he motions for somebody to come out from the back. That, of course, is Sid Justice. And he comes out and poses with Hogan to end the show. Well, there's one more qu- clip of the Mountie in the jail where he gets hit on by a stereotypical gay guy because it's 1991 after all. You wouldn't get away with that nowadays. This was a fun show and it still holds up from when I first watched it as a kid. Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect is an all-time classic match. For all the other matches, the right people went over and the crowd went home happy. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. Next week we'll be continuing on with another one of my favourite shows from 1991, which is Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. This was a UK exclusive show back in the day, but it's up on the network. I'm not too sure how many non-Brits have actually seen it. It's a fun show, so hopefully you will enjoy it. I've already had some requests for other shows to be reviewed, and they'll be coming in future weeks. If there's a show you would like to be reviewed, just get in touch either through Twitter at Retro Wrestling 4 
or email me at retroreviews at hotmail.com. There will also be another episode coming this Sunday of our Retro Wrestling Review of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. So remember to tune in for that. If you've enjoyed the show, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Thanks again for listening. Take care of yourself and I'll speak to you all soon.